plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. It is hot, 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 hot here in California, and we are battling over 367 fires that were caused by a lightning storm. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. Because of the smoke, we have to have all of windows and doors and things closed. And without air conditioning, it's pretty hot. So I do have a fan on me right now in case you hear it in the background. But um, we are, we're, we're struggling here in California, so send your prayers. Well, we do have a really great show for you, despite the fact of the fires. I'm coming up in segment two with a historian's gift for incredible research and a writer's eye for detail. We have Julieta Almeida Rodriguez. She is bringing to life the trajectories of two very colorful 18th century characters, Eleonora Fonseca Pimentel and Joseph or Jose Correas de Serra. Her, in her historical novel, Eleonora and Joseph, it's a passion, tragedy, and revolution in the age of enlightenment. And I really loved it because it is uh, set against the Neapolitan Republic as it crumbles and all the different players uh, based on, um, you know, based on historical truth. Well, August is a sizzling month, and so we want to make sure you and your garden and your animals stay hydrated. So I'll be talking about uh, how you can do some of that while you can enjoy some fruits and flowers and vegetables in our final segment. And uh, I also want to say a little bit about the importance of like getting in the pool and swimming to get for exercise. But the Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. Right now, we are doing Wednesdays with writers and performers here as part of our um, disaster relief, our Operation Disaster Relief, to give these authors, actors, artists, entertainers who've had their live performances and events canceled due to COVID-19 a platform to shine. So I have to say we may have to be pivoting again because now there's going to be so many people that are without homes because of the fire. So Operation Disaster Relief may have to uh, change so talking about the fires, there are hundreds of fires right now, uh, as of the last uh, report, 367 are raging across California, and it's forcing tens of thousands of residents who, who are already facing blackouts. There are blackouts everywhere with the electrical grid and the coronavirus pandemic, and people are having to flee their homes. The flames were sparked by lightning that was stoked by a very searing heat wave and ferocious winds that we had over the window over the we weekend. And the, the fires are just moving so quickly. It's overwhelmed California's firefighters and the first responders. It's like a fire siege. My son was even, uh, who was a captain in the fire department, and most of my family are firefighters. 
And um, unfortunately, we can't even protect our own properties because we're the, you know, you have to be out fighting the other fires. But it's so, it is so frightening. And there's ash everywhere. If you go outside, there's just tons and tons of ash. So Gavin Newsom says that he has uh, declared a state of emergency because we are really challenged right now. The state was struck by lightning 10,849 times over the course of 72 hours. And I have to tell you, I have never experienced a lightning thunderstorm like this since I was a little girl living on the ranch. It was a historic heat wave, and it's leading to this terrible uh, fire season. But the lightning and thunder, you would see these lightning bolts. I could just imagine the god Thor throwing down these lightning bolts, you know. So it's been just, it's just been really, really crazy because the lightning would hit and then the thunder would just go ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. I mean, so it felt like it was right on top of us. And there's been a cluster of wildfires in Napa, Sonoma, Solano counties that have now covered something like 50,000 acres, um, according to Cal Fire, which is our state fire agency. There have been, uh, I don't even know how many buildings and structures um, that have been destroyed already, but it, the fires are uncontained. And of course, it comes just a couple years after the fires killed uh, so many, I think over 22 in Napa, Sonoma, and then destroyed all the wineries in the region. And of course, then we also had we had uh, the Paradise Fire too. But the ash and the soot have permeated throughout the state. It's really concerning because of this coronavirus pandemic. Um, they say that the air pollution is so bad that it's making people more susceptible to COVID-19. And I don't know where people are going to go to shelter because of COVID-19. The fires were burning in every single Bay Area county except for urban San Francisco. So basically everywhere that there's land all the way to the sea has been burning here in California. In Southern California, the Lake Fire northeast of Los Angeles has been raging for more than a week. It spread across uh, more than 21,000 acres. The Dome Fire has eaten more than 43,000 acres. The Mojave Desert um, near Joshua Trees, evidently that scorcher uh, was, um, is, that's been the highest that uh, temperatures ever reached down there. So anyway, throughout the state of California, we are just stretched really thin. There aren't enough air sources. Um, California is asking the whole country for help. They're seeking hundreds of fire engines and, and more than 1,000 crew members and first responders from other areas. So hopefully they can get mobilized. This heat wave that began over the weekend and those rare lightning storms, these really rare, I had never even heard of them until I talked to my son about them, these fire tornadoes, you'll have to look them up. It's just catastrophic. They were happening up near Lassen. So it's a tornado that whips up a fire and the fire goes up into the tornado, incredibly dangerous and, um, you know, just devastating. So the problem that we're facing is that there's just no way to control these fires. So it's going to be really hard to stop them. And there's a higher potential for fires across 
most of America's West and Southwest, because 2020 is on track to be one of the hottest and driest years on record. If you remember, we didn't have a single drop of rain here in uh, California in February, and then we had a hot spring, and it dried out the fire-fueling vegetation. So we're in an area, and we're in California and in the West, wildfires are going to just keep increasing because of climate change, and this is our new reality. So it's pretty dang scary. So if you're in California, be aware, um, pack your go bag and be ready to evacuate. Firefighters, first responders, police were knocking on people's doors at dawn because, again, there's blackouts. And as you probably remember me talking about, and in fact, I just won a writing award for writing about the fire in which I was evacuated in October, and the fires burned right to my back fence. Um, I'm hoping that this doesn't happen again. So just I want to just talk a little bit about some healthy strokes, because to stay healthy right now, the best thing you could do is dive into a pool. And because getting um, into a swimming routine will help you get fit, it will lower stress, it'll help you uh, actually sleep better. So like most exercise, swimming increases energy levels, it burns calories, it decreases the risk of disease, um, but swimming offers even more. And if you are a water lover, if you are a water lover, this is really the best exercise for you because it will decrease your anxiety, it will improve your overall happiness. And again, especially in this hot weather, wow, um, when you have no power, so you can't have any air conditioning, even if you have air conditioning, um, it will, if you can at least get a swim in somewhere, if, if you have a swimming pool that's open, because a lot of them are closed due to COVID-19. Um, one thing about swimming is it is a non-weight-bearing exercise, and this is what I love about it. Water supports 90% of your body weight, what makes it ideal for those that have joint issues or if you have a bad back or, you know, if you're hurting in any way. There was a study published in the American Journal of Cardiology that found that swimming leads to decreased inflammation and improved vascular flow in patients with osteoarthritis. And there's more good news for your joints. Water is almost 800 times denser than air at sea level. So external pressure is distributed evenly on all parts of your body. And additionally, while you're exercising, your body is naturally resisting the extra pressure. And that actually results in overall muscle toning. So like yoga, swimming coordinates movements with breath. And there's so many studies that show that uh, swimmers have a larger lung capacity than other athletes. Now, even if you just want to paddle around a little bit and get wet, water is the best place at any age to feel younger, to feel weightless, to feel supported, to feel protected. It kind of takes you back to the wound. And you ha we have to remember that 60% of the human body is composed of water. And if 71% of the earth is covered with water, we probably need to know how to swim. Well, I'm going to take a break right now. When we come back, we will have our uh, guest, um, Julieta Almeida Rodriguez, will be joining us with her newest historical novel. It's really, really a wonderful, wonderful uh, read. So we'll be talking to her, and she'll be joining us from Portugal. Stay tuned. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and I'll be right back. Be the star you are. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. And we are back. Thank you for staying with me. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And I am Cynthia Bryan, and I am so excited to introduce you to our guest who is joining us from Portugal right now. Her name is Julieta Almeida Rodriguez, and her newest novel is Eleonora and Joseph. And it is such a wonderful, wonderful novel about passion, tragedy, and revolution in the age of enlightenment. I'll tell you more about Julieta in a moment, but let me welcome her to the show. Hello, Julieta. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's my pleasure to be here with you. It's wonderful. Well, this is wonderful. You have lived a very exciting life. You've had so many adventures. You're, you've lived a life of a diplomat, right? You speak several languages. Uh, I love the fact that you're following the strong tradition of Portuguese female writers. That, that moved me a lot. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background before we dive into your magnificent novel. Oh, very good. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, my background is very diversified, and this is very surprising, having into account that I went to a nun school, a very conservative nun school in <laughs> Lisbon. And so I was there for, for many years, and one day the nuns told my mother, better to take her out. We cannot do anything with her. She's too inquisitive. She wants to know too much about life and the world. But and that's so, the, that's the, that is the sign of someone who's going to be a very fascinating character, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, and so my mother was wise enough to take me out of the nun school. And then I went to public school and I started performing very well there. And so I did all my schooling in Portugal. 
I did my first degree in social work sociology, and then I went to New York to Columbia University. I stayed for several years. I did my PhD at Columbia, came back to Portugal, started teaching, and then I met my husband at the American Embassy. And this is where I continue my international life because we were in several countries of the world. And so all these ideas are running through my mind, you know, and I have an, another book that I don't have the time to start writing now, but all my ideas come from my own mind in confrontation with the world I have seen in so many years living abroad and in various countries. So it's very diversified and I like that. Well, and that's what that's what makes this, the way that you write so fascinating. I'm a huge believer that travel just opens our eyes to the world and to cultures and to language. And, you know, if more people would travel, I think we would have more peace, actually, because we Absolutely. realize we don't you think so? I think we would realize how how similar we are and we would have more empathy. But let's get to Eleonora and uh, Jose and Joseph, yes. your book. Because first of all, what drew you to decide to write about these two? Now, what I, from what I understand from re reading your author, author's note at the end is although you wrote them as if they knew each other and kind of had a mini love story in the beginning, in reality, we don't really know if they ever knew one another. Is that correct? Exactly. Absolutely. You are yes. absolutely right. So these are two different questions. Let me start with the first one. Yes. One day I was, we were stationed at the American embassy in Rome and we went very often to Naples because it's really a fascinating uh, city and there was an American basis there. So we would go to shop basically there. And so I am walking in the streets of Naples. It's one Saturday afternoon, a very sunny, beautiful day. And I see this plaque with Eleonora's name, and I look and say, oh, how interesting, this is not an Italian name, this is a Portuguese name, and this is a name of a woman I've never heard of. Mm. A, few, a few years later, I am in Rome, and again, I am strolling around to get to know the city a little bit more, and I'm near a very big square and very famous Piazza del Popolo, and again, I see a plague with Eleonora's uh, name saying that she was uh, born in that in that building. They call it a, a palazzo, but it is a building. Uh, you, were, so, you were meant to write this story. She was guiding you there, I think. <laughs> yes, you know, this is very interesting what you are mentioning, uh, Cindy, because basically characters choose the authors, so, you know. It's, it's very interesting the right. way it goes. It's true. And so this is about Eleonora. I start searching about her the first time I heard, I heard her name in Naples. And then I proceeded with my study of Eleonora after I saw the plague in, in Rome. And she had a fascinating life. She was a poet, a revolutionary. Uh, she was librarian to the Queen of Naples. So here it was the life of someone who was an intellectual, a poet, and did a major contribution to the world in, in 1799. So this takes care of Eleonora. And I had heard for many, many years about Joseph, because Joseph was a very good friend of Thomas Jefferson. And there aren't many Portuguese who can claim such a friendship across the ocean. So Joseph, 
uh, is also uh, someone who lives in Naples when Eleonora is growing up. They are more or less the same age. Um, and Joseph, later on, his father is destitute. The father is a medical doctor who cannot uh, exercise medicine in Naples, so he becomes a merchant. His wife dies. There are many children. Joseph is the oldest one, and Joseph decides to become a priest because this is the way out of such a dire family situation. He goes to Rome, becomes a priest, and then he is in several in several countries. He is comes to Portugal and helps found the Academy of Sciences of Lisbon, where he stays for many years, then runs away to London because he's afraid the Inquisition would bring him uh, to prison. So he stays in London for three or four years, then he goes to Paris, and one day he decides he wants to try the, the new world. He arrives in Philadelphia, Jefferson is at that time the president of the of the Academic Society of Philadelphia, where many uh, men of science are con congregated. And suddenly Jefferson considers Joseph, and he says this, I am quoting, the most learned man that I have ever, ever met. Yes. Which is an amazing thing, because here is this 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 man uh, who was brought up both in who was brought up ma mainly in Naples. He was earlier in Rome, but he was brought up in Naples. And Jefferson says this about him. They become very close friends. And the wonderful thing about this friendship is that, in my, as my book shows, they share many, many intimate secrets. And I love, uh, Cynthia, I love writing this part of the book. How that, means, that was so fascinating because I think you, uh, you shone a light on Jefferson and his inner workings and talking about the slaves and, of course, his love for gardening and seeds and growing and botany. And it yes. just, uh, it seemed that Joseph, Jose, uh, that they shared so many interests and yes. that they were able to share their souls, which yes, yes, which I think exactly has to that. be difficult, you know, especially especially probably for Joseph because he had a lot of secrets he had to keep. Yes, you see, I think they were so close because you know they had all these all these interests in common that common. you were referring to. Many interesting uh, things in common, uh, uh, in particularly agriculture and botany. But then each of them had a very rich spiritual life, and they were sharing intimate secrets of their of their past and their and their present. The women they were with. Uh, how they had to disguise their whereabouts and what they did. And, you know, it's it's very unfortunate because, you know, what Jefferson did is uh, not commendable. But he was a man of a brilliant mind. And for me, he remains a man with a brilliant mind, a very flawed 
men, nevertheless. And mm-hmm. Joseph was the same, right. uh, because he is a priest, but he has a child out of wedlock uh, in in Paris. And it they, sounds like he had other sexual liaisons throughout abs- his life with both men and women. With both men and women, absolutely. But you see, this is very interesting, because this is not spoken openly, but this is very much part, as I see it, of the Catholic Church. This yes, is huge. Yes hypocrisy you see huge hypocrisy so you know there is one facade and then there is what goes on in the background behind the robes well you know they there's no reason that they have to demand celibacy from their priests and as we can see there's been so many terrible things that have been happening in the last few years with all the molestations and things but it sounds like it's probably been going on for centuries and just you know hasn't been caught Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it seems that everybody knows about it, particularly in Catholic countries, but now it's coming out, and it's good that it's coming out, and before was very much kept in, in the background. So basically, Joseph is a man of his time, in the same way that I believe Jefferson is a man of his time too, because, you know, he was president of the United States. He wrote the Declaration of Independence, which I consider a brilliant uh, document, but he had slaves. He had slaves, and exactly. He, yes, he had slaves. And, and he, he says he a, treated them well, but they were still slaves. Absolutely, absolutely. So all of this is very controversial. And, you know, what I find so fascinating is how the personality of these two men had so many facets. And, you know, in the book, uh, I try to explore these and the other aspects of their character. And basically, I try to show how they had so much in common and why they were so close. Because this is one of the closest friendships that Thomas Jefferson had during his retirement years in, in Monticello. Well, Joseph spent, uh, what, through for seven years or so, he spent several weeks every single year while he lived in America. He came and stayed at... Um, at, at Jefferson's at plantation at yes. Monticello. And, and he was also so, you know, he was so intrigued by the fact that he named it Monticello, you know, an Italian name. Um, yes, Little Mountain. Little, it means Little, little, little Mountain. mountain. Yes. Yeah. I want to, if you're just joining us, um, listeners, we are speaking about the book Eleonora and Joseph, Passion, Tragedy, and Revolution in the Age of Enlightenment. It's a novel by Julieta Almeida Rodriguez, and she's joining us from Portugal right now, as you can hear. I wanted to ask you about Eleonora, and she was the royal librarian for the Queen of Naples, which was uh, Maria. Carolina of Austria, but then Carolina turns against her, and she actually is hung um, because they she thinks that she is a rebel, you know, a rebel rouser. You talk about the Freemasons and the Jacobins. Do you want to uh, describe what they were and why they were? Uh, you know, how they started or why they were important to the story and to that time period. Yes, I will. Let me just mention one thing for your listeners. They might be interested in this. Uh, Jefferson lived in this plantation called Monticello, Little Mountain in Virginia. And still today, if your listeners uh, uh, go to Monticello, they can see the room dedicated to Joseph Correa de Serra. The room I is love still that. there. 
that he's that a thing, I mean, that means he was really special to him. He was a really important uh, friend. Absolutely. There were only two people who had this privilege. One was Joseph, uh, as I described in my book, and the other one was President Madison. He also had a special room there. So there were only two people, one of them being American, the other one being Portuguese. So this is a famous man that really helped uh, strengthen the relationships across the ocean between these two countries. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to bring one thing up because I'm such a... I've always uh, admired Jefferson because of his love of uh, everything botanical and horticulture. I never realized that the plant genus Correa is named in honor of Jose Francisco Correa de, de Serra. I never is, realized yeah. that. Yes, yes, yeah, there are all these things that we don't know. And then, right. you know, botany, you know, botany is really a fascinating subject. And this is the time where there is so little knowledge and this is an emerging science and these people go to the countryside and they walk and they go in donkeys and they find out this, all these plants and seeds and there is this great commerce throughout you know the western world you send seeds this is a big present you know sending seeds yes. for you to cultivate in your garden so it's fascinating and these men are not only uh, people devoted to agriculture, they have a mind, they read books, they discuss revolutions. Jefferson, as you know, was ambassador uh, uh, to France. To France. <laughs> and so he was, uh, he was uh, entering all the salons of France. And, you know, he advised Lafayette on uh, many of the deeds that Lafayette did, did in France. This is why Lafayette later came to the, to the United States. Well, I think that's how the Louisiana Purchase happened, was because Jefferson and Lafayette were friends, or yes. they worked together, right? Exactly. They worked together to achieve that goal, which was an incredible uh, was an incredible deed because it made the United States so much bigger, all that central part. And this also took place because Napoleon needed money. And so by selling the, the uh, uh, all that territory, Napoleon acquired money that he needed for his conquests in Europe. Now, coming back, uh, Cynthia, to all these questions of the Freemasons, who were these people? These were people, Was there was a network. You know, we have a network of scholars. I am in Portugal, I'm talking to you and to your listeners who are in San Francisco. In the 18th century, it was like that too. People, you know, means of communication were uh, still uh, much more difficult than they are now, but there was a great communication going on throughout the world about ideas. And many of these uh, uh, free um, masons, these were people who wanted to put in practice the ideals of the French rev Revolution. They believed in equality, in solidarity, in fraternity. So uh, they were all exchanging ideas to make the world a better, a better place. And, you know, it's very interesting because Jefferson is considered by several sectors of America a Jacobin because he, he believed that the, the French Revolution was the continuation of the American, American project. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was a continuation yes. of the American project and could be bring good things to the world. So it's fascinating to see Jefferson's position uh, on this account. So also another name for this is Republic of Letters, which is just a designation 
that was used in the 18th century to encompass all this development that was happening in the Western world. This, the Kingdom of Naples, where Eleonora grew up, was a feudal society, part of the ancien regime. And so here is this woman who is the librarian to Queen Carolina. And, and Carolina so is the sister of Marie Antoinette. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and they are both doctors of Empress Maria Theresa of Austria. And she was a very cultivated woman. Uh, then we have this fascinating detail in Naples about Carolina's friendship with Lady Hamilton. Yes. Uh, it is and that trio, Nelson, Hamilton, and yes. Emma, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you are a very good reader. Okay, <laughs> I read every page. I read every every little thing. I mean, I was, it, it was fascinating. I mean, it, it, do you personally think that she was hung because she witnessed what she saw between Emma and Carolina? You see, this is this is fiction, but okay. there is. This so is we don't fiction. know. This not no one hundred percent, because you know how do you, do you know for sure that yeah. these happened that they were lovers? But there are suggestions, and Susan Sontag, for instance, goes in that direction also. There are many suggestions that indeed for a while they were lovers, but. Carolina, Maria Carolina, the, the Queen of Naples, had many lovers. So, you know, uh, Lady Hamilton could just have been one, one, one of them. Right. But you see, then what is so significant is that uh, Emma Hart, uh, the future Lady Hamilton, arrives in Naples. And do you know how she arrives in Naples? Do you know, uh, Cynthia, how, how Emma Hart, the future well, Lady Hamilton? She, I mean, uh, from what I've read, wasn't she perhaps considered a prostitute? Yes, she was yes. a prostitute for sure. She was exactly. a prostitute or a high, a high class escort or whatever you want to call it. But but when she arrived, um, that's what she was. <laughs> exactly. So. But you know, yeah. the, the very interesting thing is that she is given to uh, Lord Hamilton, who is the British envoy to the Kingdom of Naples, she's given to him by his nephew, because the yeah. nephew uh, had her as lover, and the nephew wanted to, to get married, and to get married, he needed to get rid of her. Yes, so he, he gives her away, he says, oh yeah, you'd like her. And yeah. Hamilton did until Nelson came, and then Nelson liked her too. <laughs> yes, so, but you, this was this is an incredible love story, you know, and it's fascinating if you read the correspondence between between them. It's fascinating because there was devotion and love there, but they were very wicked people because they are responsible for later on the killing of my heroine, Eleonora. There is no doubt in my mind that the friendship between the Queen of Naples, Carolina, Lady Hamilton and Nelson are responsible for the uh, for, for the, the death. Well, for because death. Eleonora was already on the ship ready to go to uh, France, and exactly. she was pulled off because exactly. Nelson came in to, to port there in Naples. She was put in that terrible, terrible prison. And those, uh, the, the nun that gave her the paper, um, Sister Amadea yeah. de la uh -huh. yeah, the mother superior at the yeah. Vicaria prison. Uh, so what you wrote in your book, the way that she wrote it, are these actually from 
your heroine's letters? Is, th is that, did you take those from things that you found in your research? You see, the very in interesting thing is what uh, historical fiction does. And the historical fiction tries to fill in the gaps of what we don't know. Right. right. And so what I did, for instance, the nun is a fictional character because I wanted Eleonora to write the diary. But later on, after she was hanged, we needed to find the diary. Right. So I had to devise a way in my mind oh, and okay. show the readers that indeed she has written the diary. So someone had to take the diary out of prison. But do you so know, did she actually write a diary? That Because the way you've written it is so, so uh, magical and so well done. You really can't tell the fiction from, from the fact. And I found myself <laughs> thinking, I have to read more about her because like you, I didn't know anything about her and she's a fascinating woman. So she did she actually write a diary or was that part of your story? No, she doesn't. Uh, uh, this was totally, the diary is totally invented. What do we Wow, what, what a great have? job you did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You are kind, Cynthia. But oh. it's, it's, it's fascinating because she, we have poems and letters. But you see the king and the queen of Naples, after they killed all these people who were re revolutionaries and wanted the ideals of the French Revolution uh, being put in practice in Naples, what they did when they killed all these people, they erased the records. So we don't have any direct knowledge of what happened to them, except that we know that they were, they were killed because okay. they were revolutionaries. But okay. there, there are some letters, there are some poems by Eleonora that give us a clue of, of whom she was. And so uh, what historical fiction does is to try to fill in the historical gap. gap because right. we don't know and, you know, we use our imagination to figure out what might have happened. But we have to be very careful because it has to be credible. Oh, her poems were so widely read. I mean, even Voltaire yes. dedicated a poem to her. Yes, so, yes. you know. Yes, yes, yes. So exactly. Yeah. So she was really, she was really somebody of her time that people knew. Now, I wanted to ask you uh, one thing before we're going to have to. We're coming to the end of our interview here, and I just want people to pick up a copy of this book because it's a fascinating read, Eleonora and Joseph by Thanks. Julieta Almeida Rodriguez. I'll give out your website here in a second. But one of the things that you wrote in here is she that Eleonora asked, because she was an arist aristocrat, she asked if she could be beheaded because uh -huh. that was the more the you know the more elegant way to die as opposed to be hung, but they didn't allow her that and they didn't give her any undergarments and you were you wrote that the the lazaroni were excited to watch her hang because they yes. could look up at her sexual organs yes. is that something that was it was one of the reason people would be hung so they would be humiliated in the death yes exactly oh. absolutely absolutely because you see beheading was the way that the aristocrats died like like maria and antoinette yes you always really see those pictures of maria antoinette she's beheaded and uh, eleonora asks the court and this is absolutely a true fact she asks the court to be beheaded and they say no and when they hang her like a 
a criminal, this is the ultimate punishment and the, oh. it is the ultimate humiliation. So it's very sad. Uh, it's so very sad. tragic. It's tragic. It was, you, you know, tragic's the right word. It was such this sad ending to such a light, such a, a, a Renaissance woman, really. I mean, she was such a, a woman of letters and, and um, elegance and her writings. And she just was she, you know, to be hung for probably no fault of her own just because somehow she crossed Carolina. The line. And, she crossed yes, the line. She crossed, she crossed the, line. the line somehow. Yes, well, uh-huh. it's been such a delight, Julieta, listening Thank to you and you. talking to you. Let's give out your website. It's a Me long too. website, and I want to spell it because it's julietaalmiederodriguezauthor.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-T-A-A-L-M-E-I-D-A-R-O-D. R-I-G-U-E-S, and then the word author.com. And we will have this in all our publicity so you can find it. But the book is Eleonora and Joseph, Passion, Tragedy, and Revolution in the Age of Enlightenment. And it is a novel, but I'll tell you, it reads like a history. It, it reads like history, but exciting. You know, it. you just definitely want to keep reading. Would you want to just uh, wind it up with um, something that you would like to finish off by saying? Yes, well, I would like to thank you very much for this opportunity to uh, to talk to your to your listeners. This was a great moment uh, for me to have this opportunity. I thank you very much. And you know, I would like to mention how fascinating the Age of Enlightenment is. The, the, you know, the 18th century stands for me as the most fascinating centuries that we have ever lived, because everything is open and everything is possible. And the world we live in today is still the world that we inherited from that time oh. and and so i would like to uh, you, you know to leave your your listeners with this idea that you know the book has many many details of life in the 18th century life in plantations like jefferson in monticello and also in Naples and through the travelings of Joseph, you get many details of this world that is really truly fascinating. If you have, as you have indicated, with the works in botany and so on. So thank and you very very much. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and I think you just have interwoven the histo- history with the fiction uh, to make the stories come alive. So thank you so much, Julieta, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are, and we'll look forward to more of your books as you travel the world and uh, know, learn more about other cultures and run into signs on buildings that make you want to investigate <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you so much for being on thank Star Style. You, Be the Cynthia. star you are. Again, the book- Uh, Eleonora and Joseph and Juliet is coming to us from Portugal and when you come back we're going to talk about hot, hot, hot it is so (laughs) hot Uh, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style Be the Star You Are, stay safe stay here, we'll be back in a bit thank you so much, it was a great pleasure thank you Be the star you are The star you VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. 
How do you stay motivated even after a rejection? The solution is in developing a positive skill set. It's critical to know your strengths and reflect on them daily. Keep a log of your successes. It'll make it easier for you to keep going. Set short-term realistic goals. Make sure to write them down and find a way to achieve them. And when you make an error, forgive yourself and then forge ahead as there really are no mistakes, just lessons to be learned. Next time, you'll do it differently. Hang out with upbeat and go-getting people who believe in their dreams and therefore they'll believe in yours as well. It is so easy to be brought down by negative people. So ban them from your life and stay with the positive people. Reward yourself when you can make baby steps and then you complete a project. You deserve the kudos. You've worked for it. You've earned it. You deserve a pat on the back, even if it's your own hand. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, thank you for staying with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I loved that interview. This is a really interesting book about two people that you may have never heard of. I had heard of Jose, uh, she, uh, Joseph. He went by Joseph in America, but he was really Jose. But Eleonora I had never heard of. So pick it up, Eleonora and Joseph by Julieta Almeida Rodriguez. And um, you will be you'll be entranced. It's really good. Well, some like it hot. Uh, Henry James said, "Summer afternoon, summer afternoon." The two most beautiful words in the English language. Well, I got to tell you, it is hot, hot, hot here right now. The blackberry bushes um, flanked the horse stables when I was growing up at my grandparents' ranch. And my grandmother was a truly uh, genuine horse whisperer. In fact, she trained the horse for the television show, My Friend Flicka, which is an older show, but I don't know if you grew up, I think in the 50s or 60s, you might have known about it. She rode in parades in her fancy Western wear, and she lovingly cared for a herd of adopted steeds. But together, after an early morning gallop through the fields and vineyards, she would give my cousin and me an empty pail and challenge us to a blackberry picking contest. And our reward was always this big bowl of berries with fresh cream, dusted with cereal. And I adored my horse-loving grandmother, and I loved those luscious blackberries. 
Uh, and although I've always treasured horses, I stopped li liking blackberries at all when I started growing my own because the thorns are so menacing. And then what I found out as the bushes start sprouting everywhere with their underground runners and in the heat of summer, my days were just filled with pulling out blackberry vines from flower beds instead of picking fruit. So this year, though, I have a bumper crop, a big juicy berry in an area that I allowed them to flourish. And I decided to risk the scratches to relive that free flowing glory days spent with my grandmother riding horses and gobbling blackberries in rich purple cream because blackberries do like it hot. Now, meteorologists have predicted that 2020 has a 75% chance of being the hottest ever recorded. And we're seeing that right now with all the California fires and the hottest day ever in Death Valley. Now, the good news for many of us have, who have gardens is that we can grow specimens that thrive in the heat. And the bad news, though, is that the Arctic is rapidly warming and climate change is very sinister again as we're seeing fire tornadoes and 367 fires storming California. So we have to strive to reduce our carbon footprint and then we can still endure, indulge in some summer flavors of favorite fruits and vegetables. Um, and we can enjoy the beauty of some heat tolerant blossoms. Now, unless you water deeply and daily, August is not a month to plant anything. But it is a month if you enjoy high temperatures, and these are some of the things that grow well. Tomatoes, tomatillos, beans, peppers, eggplant, beets, zucchini, basil, and corn, they demand six to eight hours of sunshine to flourish. And summer fruits that require heat include peaches and pears and plums and nectarines, cantaloupe, watermelon, apples, blueberries, figs, and of course, as I already mentioned, blackberries. Limes are the only citrus that are at their very best in summer. Maybe that's why I love a margarita with lots of lime on it and some salt. So you can grow your own choices in containers. If you just have a porch or a balcony or a fire escape, Specifically, tomatoes and peppers and herbs, they grow really well in containers. And you can water them and you can move them around so that they'll get the sunshine they need. As a child, I, we had four clocks lining our country road, which is now on fire up in Napa County. And they would open exactly at the prescribed hour, four o'clock. But the ones that the seeds that I took from those same four o'clocks in my garden here near San Francisco, well, I'm in the in the hills, um, they open at 8 a.m. and they close by four. So they are totally off. <laughs> They're not on cue at all. But um, I have naked ladies that are poking the long necks out from their mounds and they are were right on cue. Uh, they started with just like when the, everything was just so dry, like a week ago, they started sprouting. And now I literally have thousands of them. But with this heat, they're all going to die very quickly. The big question in the cauldron of August is when and how to water. Just because a plant is drought resistant or heat tolerant does not mean it doesn't get thirsty. So you got to keep your garden healthy and you don't want to underwater or overwater. So what's the secret? The optimum time to water is very early in the morning, and that can prepare your garden for the day because the roots will retain the moisture and the plant will stay hydrated. If you water in the afternoon, you're just wasting water. It evaporates. It can't saturate the soil. The evening can be a good time to water as long as the leaves on any of your plants have enough time to dry out. 
Otherwise, it's going to encourage fungus and insects and rot. And deep root watering is always better than sprinkling. And if you add three inches of mulch around all your plants and trees, it's going to aid in keeping the moisture level correct while keeping the roots cooler. Now, if you have a swimming pool, a pond, or a fountain, you're probably going to discover that honeybees appear to be suicide bombers this month. You want to rescue them because when it's hot, bees search for water, and then they return to the hive to let other bees know the location of the, of the source. And then pretty soon, there'll be a group of 15 or more that are tapping the pool surface, bringing back the droplets to receiver bees, but a lot of them will fall in the water and they'll drown. Now, according to endomologists, the water is then deposited along the edge of the wax comb, and bees inside the comb start fanning their wings to circulate the natural air conditioning. And bees prefer temperatures of 95 degrees, so they like it hot, too but they like to be near a water source. So August is going to be an absolutely sizzling month. So make sure you and your garden stay hydrated. Enjoy the fruits, the vegetables, and the flowers that like it hot. Pick a basket of blackberries with or without a horseback riding. And you want to stay cool and enjoy a summer afternoon of hot, hot, hot. But if you're in California or anywhere where there are fires now, you may want to stay indoors because the smoke is very, very bad and dangerous. And especially in this time of COVID-19, it is um, it can spread the disease evidently from what I'm reading. And uh, you can get worse symptoms because you can't breathe with that. So um, let, be healthy, be hopeful, be positive. Steep thyself in a bowl of summer. I tell you, I am. Happy gardening and happy growing and stay safe. And I just hope that nobody that's listening right now is affected by the fires. So thanks for being great listeners, allowing me into your life every week. Be here on Wednesdays for Wednesdays with writers and performers. You can change your life and get um, make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Brian with an, with an I. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are, and we're definitely going to need donations now for disaster relief to help people from all of these wildfires, visit btsya.org or bethestarur.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you're already a star. Read a book this week, and I think you would really like Eleonora and Joseph. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you. I encourage you. Be the star you are and help someone in need. Be here next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, live on the Voice America Network. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you are.org ignite the flame that burns brightly within 
Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.